The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In the South, it's always college football season and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. A college football head coach I already like threw me a solid. Problem is, he could. It is the Chuck Oliver Show on a Tuesday, and I hope everybody's having a great day. Appreciate uh, Dan Matthews hosting this very program yesterday. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Um, Yesterday, uh, Dan, I assume Hawaii was groovy. I'm going to bring Dan in right now. You were in Hawaii, and you hosted yesterday. I appreciate that. No FCC violations and, 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 and no fines. That's great. No lost affiliates. How was Hawaii? Oh, it was all aloha, man. It was amazing. A great time. Great time to reset, you know, right before we get into spring practice, everything of such. And, yeah, I think I brought that energy to the air yesterday, you know. It was a relaxed, fun atmosphere yesterday. That's what we made it. Mahalo. Um, Mahalo, aloha, hui ho. It all means the same. Um, So yesterday, uh, I was reading uh, Brian Kelly, um, LSU head coach, who I'm a big fan of, and I think that the Tigers got the right leader for their program. Uh, He was asked about what is likely to be the three permanent opponents for LSU. Now, if you don't know what has happened on this front, uh, the schools have been provided with the – potential three permanent opponents in a potential nine-game SEC schedule. That hasn't been determined yet. Do we see that, like, a proposal the league is considering? You get – this is when the addition of Texas and Oklahoma becomes official next year when they actually start playing. That there is a proposal where you get one permanent opponent and seven rotating opponents, and that's it, and they stay at eight. And most coaches who have gone on the record who have said, oh, let's play nine games. Now, devil's in the details, of course. But I, I don't know. I don't want to use horrifying. It's in the, the realm of scheduling a college football season, so it could only be so horrifying. But a, a conference as mighty as the Southeastern still considering an eight-game setup like that? Boo! If you want a one-person focus group, this this responded is, boo, one permanent, seven rotating, you don't want it. I think almost certainly beyond any statistically significant chance, it's going to be a nine-game slate in the three and the six. So under the proposed format, LSU would have permanent opponents with Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama. Uh, Alabama, if you care about that, 
would play Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. That'd be their three. More about that later. But Brian Kelly and um, uh, big-time coaches at big-time programs, there's nothing more exciting than, ooh, we're about to change the schedule and announce some games. Well, a new scheduling model? Gimme, gimme, gimme. That's how we all respond. So when quizzed, Brian Kelly said, among other things, uh, among other responses, he said, part of why I'm here, and it was a big bone throw to the SEC, and I mean, he's right, and it's what you're supposed to say anyway, but he's at LSU, for gosh sakes, and he said, part of why I came here is to coach against the best. He said, so give me more. If you tell me, he said, and and the people are talking on the record about the, the potential three. Brian Kelly says, if you tell me we're going to play Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Alabama every year, he said, that's exactly why I'm here. He said, plus, he mentioned the fans, which, you know, thumbs up for you. And then he started mentioning the bigger schools in the conference and the giant programs that these are the reason you joined the SEC. And he mentioned Alabama. And he mentioned Texas A&M. And he mentioned Auburn. <clears throat> Coach, I appreciate the solid. I do. That was him, by the way, by name. He said, and Auburn. He says, I came here. And they repeated it. He says, I came here specifically to play a program like Auburn. And if you are an Auburn fan of, I say usually of a certain age, If you're an Auburn fan of most ages, the reality of your adult life is Auburn has, by and large, except for individual car crash seasons that every program has. The first letter of each of those words is in caps, by the way. That's a a category. Individual car crash seasons that every program from time to time will have. With the exception of those, and I'll use myself as a barometer, and we're actually going to go a little, I'm I'm 55, and so I don't necessarily remember a lot about Doug Barfield other than the very first thing I heard about Doug Barfield. Chuck, who's Doug Barfield? That's what a lot of people are saying right now. He was the Auburn coach before Pat died. And the first thing I remember hearing about Doug Barfield was from an NFL fan. And an NFL fan whose team had some former Auburn players on it, and they were doing things like leading their teams to the playoffs and going to Pro Bowls when Pro Bowls mattered. When a Pro Bowl was a chance for an NFL running back to go out and bust his tail and get $10,000 to go practice and play an extra week where they really did hit. And if he got MVP, it'd be 12-5. So he's like, no, give me more carries. Uh, that was the Pro Bowl back then. And so in the mid to late 70s, when Doug Barfield was the head coach, he took over for Shug Jordan. That was tough. It wasn't set up for success. But Doug Barfield takes over. Now he's the head coach, and it wasn't good. And it never really got good. And there's a little bit of not eligible on it. And then it never got good, except to NFL fans. And this NFL fan in particular was a San Diego Chargers fan. He was like, and he, I, if you're from the South, then every, you're a fan of every team, I guess. And he said, Auburn keeps having all these pro bowlers, but why don't they win games? 
It was a fair question. And it's the kind of question that honestly, and I'm not saying coaches everywhere because that's not the case. Coaches specifically in the Southeastern Conference, way more than anywhere else in college football. Folks, head coaches in the SEC been getting fired for a long time because they keep putting pro bowlers and Super Bowl champions and MVPs in the NFL, and you look at their team and think, why'd they win four games? That's been Jim Donnan? And I'm a real big fan of Jim Donnan. As a coach, specifically as a coach, big fan of Jim Donnan. As sort of a person I know, I really, really like him. And I just, I, I still call him coach, and he's just a really, really good guy. Um, I have always enjoyed my time with Jim Donnan. Um, he didn't win enough. And when you kept putting players in the NFL and they were like, wait a minute, Stroud, Seymour, and you're like, why didn't they win more? So that got him fired. He's never head coach again. So Doug Barfield was like the OG of this in the Southeastern Conference because Auburn's always put guys in the league. Well, they were really putting guys in the league towards the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s, and that got Doug Barfield fired. In comes Pat Dye, and the man who coached well enough that now the field's named after him, he comes down from being head coach at Wyoming in Greenville, North Carolina, and whatever. Played at Georgia, went to the CFL, go look up Pat Dye, you can Wikipedia him if you want. And taking over a program that had just gone five and six and had those eligibility things. Pat Dye posted a five and six of his own, and that was 40 years ago. When I say if you're a person of most ages, I was like, I don't know, sixth grader then. Here is the overarching statement that all of that sets up. All of my adult life, everything that I've known about Auburn football for my adult life, except for individual car crash seasons that every program has, and very quick and extreme bounce backs, Auburn's been really, really outstanding at college football for most of my adult life. They're not right now. And it's in a window where it's kind of been that way for a second. And even the most recent really good record, if you were watching that year, you're like, uh, I'm not convinced. There's something missing here. Like even that bowl game, well, they lost to Minnesota, but, you know, everybody opted out. No, who? It was the opposite. Everybody played. Like everybody said, no, no, no I'm going to play in a bowl game. So it was just, it, it was done, 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 done with Gus. And so Auburn as a real threat as a program, what had been true for about almost nonstop with the regular same intervals that every program has. Folks, Auburn was upper echelon, and they were putting guys in the pros. They were getting pro bowlers and MVPs and Super Bowl champions and first overall draft picks and Heisman winners and all of that, and multiple undefeated seasons and a national championship on top of it, and SEC this, that, and a third. All of that was true for 40 years. It's not true right now. And the tough part 
against the backdrop of everything I've just said, is Auburn has made an unbelievable pivot with Hugh Freeze, and they're still losing ground against what the SEC and the West for this year and what the conference is going forward, i.e., they're adding Oklahoma and Texas, folks. If you put Auburn where it was when Brian Harson coached his final game and where Auburn is right now, the tourniquet that Coach Cadillac was, you talk about the perfect, just the perfect assignment for the perfect window and amount of time, just perfect, everything they needed. And he won some, and so he's got that skin, skins, plural on the wall as head coach. And then to get Hugh Freeze. And some would say to not get Lane Kiffin. I'm not one of those big fans. I mean, I think there would be more right, one right answer. But it's an unbelievably positive pivot for the entire program. And I'm telling you, that just kind of undersells it almost. Just call it a positive pivot. It's to compare where they were. I mean, mood and the actuality and everything in between. Mood is over here like in the nebulous floating around in the ether. On the field, reality is concrete over here. And everything in between, my gosh, it was such just a negative. Now, I can't find anything that isn't either already positive or it's like for these four reasons, this is why it's going to be positive by August, December, this time next year, whatever. Everything about the program. And it's about to get even tougher. This is a new existence for Auburn football fans. It's been a new existence for Auburn basketball fans, and that's been kind of groovy. But this is a new, and it's not a one-year thing. It's not an experience. That's when you have a losing record and then hire Gus Malzahn and go, okay, now we're in the national championship again. This is how it's supposed to be. That was 2012, 3-9. That was an experience for an Auburn fan, a really unfun experience that lasted four months. This is in existence right now. And if you are an Auburn fan of most ages, if you're probably late 50s, then you were really paying attention and could understand the Doug Barfield stuff. Or if you were kind of a drill down sort of, you know, college football geek already. And by the way, helmet sticker to you. Um, maybe my age or younger, that's possible. Absolutely. But for most folks, if you're 50, even like fit, like right young, right younger than me, if you're 50, you're 10 when Pat Dye took over. You're third grader, fourth grader. You look up and go, what is this? Although, yeah, this is football, just like football. And who is that? Auburn? Wow, they're good. Wow, they're good. And that's been your existence? That ain't your existence right now. Every Auburn doing everything possible they can do. And it's going to be about ball players and specifically quarterback. And on that front, more I'm even better for Auburn. It's an Everest. It absolutely is. And even destructuring the divisions and oh, lining that up, 1 through 16, that ain't going to make things easier. Well, at least they're out of the West now. No, they're in the mix with everybody now. So uh, that's where it is for Auburn. And uh, it's as interesting and challenging, at literally, 
at any point in my adult lifetime. So uh, we're going to take a break, come back, continue on this wonderful Tuesday. we got Dave Bartu coming up, bottom of this hour. the king of college football no matter where you go with a new southern sports today app catch the best college football conversation in the south everywhere with the sst live stream and daily podcast downloaded now at the app store and the google play store now more of the best college football talk in the country it's the chuck oliver show every time they step on that field you know you know cut it loose to to you know the the elite level in the the energy, the physicality, you know, obviously the uh, the effort that they give. I mean, this it looks apart. Man, we know we got to continue to push and get better. But uh, you, this is an eager group too, which I really like. Mike Morgan, he's in charge of Seminoles. I'm a big fan. I think he's a really good coach, and he is turning out to be a little bit more his um, the past couple head coaches at Memphis have had reputations that they've earned as being uh, quarterback gurus. And Justin Fuente, he had success at Virginia Tech with quarterbacks, some. Not enough. He's not the coach there anymore. But he had success, including people for, like Kendon Hooker was there first and was good, but took off for uh, Rocky Top and so whatever. Um, Mike Norvell has done a fantastic job throughout his career as both an assistant and head coach, and specifically you look at the teams he's been on, staffs he, or the staffs he's been on, those quarterbacks, you're like, huh, what's the thread? Well, maybe it's Mike Norvell. Well, he's making it happen a lot more at his second stop because Jordan Travis was just not a guy that you wanted to throw with the football. He wanted to, You wanted the football on his hands, and he could make plays. Um, but, but it goes beyond that. Uh, he's talking about his defensive line there, and they've got uh, – Florida State, I've always said this, that – Everybody has a great first 22. It's You start looking like a big-time program when you have big guys that can move and you have a second unit. Those are two things. Everybody here's, everybody can get a starting four or three, four, whatever. Four is because it's going to be guy anyway. You're going to have walk-up jack. So you're, everybody have a starting four, but can they move? Are they big? Can they move? That's the, do you have a second four because defensive linemen – they more than any other position on the entire team, they get slap wore out. So I have to have four more. And then if they're big, well, here's another thing. I said everybody can have a starting four. Folks, I mean this. Everybody can recruit a player with size. Can he move? Like Desmond Watson last year, the first thing I noticed well no, the first thing I noticed was him. But the first thing I noticed about him was I think he can move some. When you're four hundred pounds all right, well, let's see. Are are you just filling a gap? And maybe there's some value in that. But at the SEC level, somebody's going to move you. Even at that weight, you have to be athletic enough. And I know that's kind of a stretch. You have to. You have to. You have to be actually play the position, not just occupy a patch of grass. So when you get those two things, you take the next step. You really do. They're going to be without. Uh, well, they're going to be out with a few players. Michael Pittman's not going to practice at all in spring. Um, I don't think, but uh, they're missing Malcolm Ray, the entirety spring camp, all of that. Um, they've also got, actually, they got one defensive tackle, Malcolm Ray, who's going to miss the whole thing, and they've got three more kids, um, Jaden Jones, um, 
two more kids that are going to on the line that are going to be limited this spring. So they've got numbers, and so that might well they're now they don't because they're there's not going to play all of them in spring. That may be why they're able to declare this guy's going to sit. These two guys are going to be limited because they do have that depth. So that's what you're after. Dan, how you doing today? Oh, man, it's good to be back. I mean, that's for sure. And, you know, I opened the show yesterday in the inverse fashion that you did today with Brian Kelly because I talked about what Nick Saban was really upset about. He's upset about playing LSU every year. If, indeed, this is the three-team permanent rotation that they're going to have going forward in the new incarnation of the SEC scheduling, nine games, your three permanents, all of that different types of stuff because I said, don't get it twisted. LSU is not a program that is on Alabama's level right now. But I think what concerns Nick Saban now is that they have the threat of something that they hadn't had in some time, consistency. Because if nothing else, Brian Kelly had been pretty consistent during his time at Notre Dame. Now, did he win the national championship? Did he even necessarily get close to doing that? He was there, but no, he he didn't do that. He's got a better opportunity now. So that's something else that I think is kind of a wrench in the system. Now, here's the other part of it. What do we know whenever Nick Saban talks? He's doing it with effect. He's doing it with a purpose. He's doing it with saying, hey, those of you who are going to make this decision, uh, I've spoken, and you know how I feel about this. And, of course, it is pretty much the tablets coming down from the mountain whenever he speaks because he is doing so with the purpose of, yeah, this isn't going to work for us, and I'm letting you know it's not going to work for us. I don't want it to be this way because – Like I said yesterday, he doesn't have a problem playing against Tennessee. He understands what that is. And as far as he knows right now, Tennessee had a really good season, but they're not the threat that LSU is. He knows that it's baked in, that the the Iron Bowl is going to be there. They have to play it. It's just the fact of, wait a minute, you're making me play these two guys, and then you're making me play that group over there who every once in a while can have a microwave season, but we know two things, that they bring in outstanding talent and that they're going to put said talent in the NFL. I've got to play against that every year? Yeah, come on, no thanks. I learned, or no, I realized about years ago, don't ever take any offense or be angry when Nick Saban says something to me untoward because he's not talking to me. He's talking to his players, or he's talking to another coach, or he's talking to alumni. He's not talking. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. 
And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. To me. Um, and so, kind of made it easy on that front. Um, back next. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. All week, all year, it's all college football on Chuck Oliver Show. Except for the next few minutes because Dave Bartu's coming on and he is CFP Matrix. But he also, man, I'll take the Pepsi challenge when it comes to his quarterback uh <laughs> crystal balling i guess i don't want to call it that because it sort of devalues this i'm gonna tell you what i know about quarterbacks okay i saw josh allen in college and i was like that's a really strong arm uh and he was playing against lower competition and like bulldozing kids and then he got to the nfl and his first year he played like he was being chased by bees okay he didn't look at all like he should have been taken there um and now he may be the best player in the game then there is a guy like Joe Burrow who everybody looked at and said, you know, he's good. He's the one. Most often, the truth is somewhere in there between those extremes, uh, but nothing will determine the value of a $4.5 billion company more than who's your quarterback. I want to welcome on right now, as I said, from CFB Matrix, it is Dave Bartu. Dave, how are you today? Dude, I am doing great this week. It's more like men's basketball matrix uh, now that uh, now the tournaments are going. And I, I got bored with football last week, so I took my NFL model and applied it to men's college basketball. And when are we going to have some results that are identifiable? So I'm eight days in. And so what? just like the NFL, so the model projects spreads and totals. Mm-hmm. And so I've projected every spread and every total of every men's Division One basketball game since last Monday. And this is using a model that uh, I accidentally created talking to an AD about hiring basketball coaches a year ago. And uh, so far, it is, and if you throw out all the close modeling, anything that was modeled within a half a point of the current betting line, but if you chase everything outside of that, you are... 129 and 172 right now. 229 and 172 right now. All right, hang on. So tell me. So that's seven percent. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. About that's... 57. About 57. Yesterday was a big day. the The model went uh, overall went 15 and six yesterday. So uh, tell it me was, again what uh, your winning percentage is. It, yeah, I think it's 57 percent. 229 and 172. Is okay. where it's at after eight days. So can I give you a bigger number than that? That means mm-hmm. you have only because people listen and think, well, that's you know, fifty-seven point two or whatever. That's not much more than fifty-fifty. I was like, no, 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 folks. That means he's only lost forty-two point eight or what? Like, there's yeah. a huge spread when you get the further away from about fifty-four you get. It gets to be a noticeable, like, gargantuan spread because you also take your losing percentage the other way. Um, that's that's on you. And you get it to 60%. You're in, um, you're in like, get you a 900 number, like back in the old days. 
Oh, you're 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 in high cotton, and and this is every game. I have tons of Twitter and Patreon subscribers and followers. I'm hearing they're applying this to their own due diligence. I'm hearing 32 and 13, 27 and 12, 29 and 11, 34 and 17. I mean, I'm just these people are just cranking out huge numbers using this as a tool of due diligence. And so they throw out the Quinnipiac Robert Morris game because they have no idea, but maybe they do know about the Oregon State game and can apply it to that one. Um, all right, let's talk quarterbacks because you know quarterbacks, yeah. right? Yo, um, I, I know their numbers. <laughs> uh, after the combine, with the combine, it's done. Uh, it's all it's it's all wrapped up basically. Um, after Anthony Richardson's performance there, I had a buddy of mine. He's a he's a fan of an NFL team. He said. I'm afraid we're going to spend a first-round pick on him now. And I said, oh, I can terrify you then. There's a chance your team trades up to spend a first-round pick on him. Like, it's not going to just cost the first-round pick now. Tell me what – because I looked at him. I already knew he was big and looked like that and could run. Um, tell me what you think about AR-15. Did did he, at the Combine, did he get, like, an extra year of experience calling plays? He did not start 17 more games. Uh, well, yeah. Who cares? God, who cares? Right? I mean, what what is any what quarterback has monster numbers at the combine and negative quarterback effect in college that went on to be great in the NFL? None of them. I'll make it easy. None of them. It doesn't mean jack squat. He either has it already or he doesn't. That combine for any of the quarterbacks, not just him. Didn't mean anything. His numbers, his experience, his profile, nothing has changed whatsoever. He still is a massive negative quarterback effect guy in college. He has low snap count. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Again, the only guy that has made it even close to this is Cam Newton. And Cam Newton carried Auburn a probably less talented Auburn team, to a national title. All he did is carry Florida to underperforming the talent year after year. Doesn't change my opinion on him or any quarterback out of the combine whatsoever. There were, if we can DeLorean back to a year ago, I want to say there were two guys in the draft that I think you liked, and I know one of them was Brock Purdy, and maybe you liked Kenny Pickett. I'm trying to recall. There was three guys that I felt checked uh, the boxes the most as a future NFL starter. Uh, Pickett and Purdy were easily number one and number two. And they played a ton of football, ton of games. Ton of games, seniors. They had weak offensive coordinators. They elevated their teams. You know, they were long in the tooth. They had tons of experience. Everything that 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 a starter, long term starter, is they were. Um, Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati. I was kind of like, yeah, wasn't so sure because uh, Cincinnati had the, the, the number one recruiter in the AAC, so they had a lot of talent. And Dembrock as an offensive coordinator, pretty above average, really didn't have a bead on him. So, uh, so that's why I put Desmond number three on my biggest potential list for the quarterback draft. But after that, you know, there, there, there's your three and nobody this year in the draft. There isn't anybody. I was going to ask the boxes. Right? I, I was going to ask you because um, that's the, you know, I, I don't think I overstated it. It's the single most important to say, even more than coach, 
Because you can kind of mm-hmm. get coach wrong, and if you got the quarterback right, I get, George Seifert was a Super Bowl champion coach. Um, and it, it, you can still win if you have the right quarterback. Uh, I was going to ask you about this year's draft, and you say nobody? Uh, you know, I think the first guy that checks the boxes is like Jake Hayner at Fresno State. You know, went above expectation, elevated the team, um, you know, had, had a ton of snaps, senior um, you could, I'm, I'm sure right now listening, there's some George fans going, man, since Bennett took a lot of snaps, he did, right? But how much did he actually carry that team? Uh, Bennett might be a better risk, at least value. I mean, at least Bennett, you're spending a what, four, five, six, seven round pick on him? I mean, you can get value out of it. But these guys that are going in the first round, maybe one of them catches lightning in a bottle, but none of them check the boxes of a long-term NFL starter. Even a program such as Tennessee having such a huge rise up, you I've asked you about this a couple of weeks back, and post-com... See, I got a, a, a Twitter from someone, um, asked Dave post-combine if his numbers have changed, or no, no, if his, you know, he has, his opinions changed. I was like, I don't think Dave's opinions change unless there are games played. Um, and so, Hendon Hooker, you had said before, elite play caller, good recruiter and NFL wide receivers, it's hard to say, hey, Hendon Hooker, you elevated the program. Right. You know, you have an excellent OC. I I think one of the biggest compliments you can give to an offensive coordinator in college football is people start calling you a system coach, right? That basically means, hey, I could put Chuck Oliver in there and we're going to score 47 today. (laughs) That's a system coach. So the problem is with the system coach is how do you really get a good bead on how good the quarterback can be if every quarterback is good that goes through there? Josh Heifel, I don't care who has the OC label at Tennessee. As long as Josh Heifel's in charge, I think the offense is going to turn out a gazillion points. Year in and year out, no matter who the quarterback is. So I love the hooker story. It's awesome. Okay. Did he elevate the team? Yeah. The defense was solid, but not elite. And, you know, he carried the bags every Saturday. He's got a ton of experience. Uh, But, you know, the question mark is how good was he relative to the OC? And that's why I, you know, again, a big concern. Now, if you get him in the fourth to sixth round, then now you have some value to build on uh, in that regard. But I don't, I don't think he checks all the boxes like a real long-term NFL starter, though I think the, the risk and value is there later in the draft. All right, folks, that's what Dave Bartu does, among other things. Now apparently involves college football, uh, excuse me, college basketball as well. So we're going to take a break, come back, get back into college football with Dave and I'm going to ask him about what my opinion not his my opinion some really awful people are in charge of one Big Ten program right now Uh, I want to ask about strictly the football side of it and see how long the Iowa Hawkeyes are going to look like the current Iowa Hawkeyes Uh, we will break come back more with Dave Bartu next Back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. My goodness, hour one on Tuesday barely even started. 
Doug Oliver Show, and we're talking college football with Dave Bartu. He is CFB Matrix. Get him on Twitter at CFB Matrix. And Dave, tell him uh, about the text line and tell him about old people with creaky shoulders and how you can help them. <laughs> you know, I was uh, the uh, the hempforpros.com uh, was uh, was a product, uh, obviously natural, founded by uh, working with the NFL alumni. I was actually thinking, Chuck, we should be doing like a two for Tuesday. Ooh. You know, buy buy one, get another one. Oh, so, Dave, yes, makes it trackable too. Right, two for Tuesday. We know where it comes from. So, um, in the uh, in the spirit of the NCAA's coming up and uh, all the late night. Uh, gambling, betting, and drinking. Uh, Today we're going to go two for Tuesday on recovery capsules. If you go to hempforpros.com, you buy a full-price recovery capsule. They'll throw a second one in there for free. They are great for body aches and pains. They are actually my favorite for hangovers. Take two with an Aleve or an ibuprofen before you go to bed or when you get up, boom. Absolutely no hangers. That's the recovery capsules at hemforpros.com. Well, that's what the man says. And, uh, again, online, uh, on Twitter, it is uh, CFB Matrix, and he's got a text line there for you. Ask him a question whether you're a fan or an athletic director. Everybody in between has reached out as well. All right, I gave uh, – I don't want to sound moralistic or preachy, but <laughs> – I think there are some awful people in charge of the Iowa Athletic Department. And I'm talking about the AD who just settled a $4 million, his fourth fourth lawsuit, uh, $4 million uh, racial uh, discrimination lawsuit. He's going to make the state pay half of it. Uh, and then Kirk Ferentz and his whole the son and the nephew, all of it is bad. And it's bad football. And it's bad football. Um you evaluate the on-field product and recruiting and everything else outside of the moralistic or anything else. Just tell me where Iowa football is as a product. As, as a product, well, it's uh, it's kind of binary right now. It's it's two sides of the coin because um, from a recruiting standpoint, uh, about five years ago, uh, Kirk said, hey, uh, our recruiting isn't good enough. I'm going to turn this around. And I kind of laughed because their recruiting was – bordering on in the 50s for an average class. Uh, since then, he's actually followed through. Recruiting is in the 30s. It has jumped up. It has uh, it has passed Oklahoma State. It's kind of, a, kind of a line in the sand. And they're easily the third best recruiter in that division. So the recruiting is good at Iowa State. Borderline the best it's been under Ference. Now, offense and defensive side of the football, we couldn't get any farther apart. Uh, Phil Parker, their defensive coordinator at Iowa, amongst the top three graded defensive coordinators in all of college football. The dude is a rock star. That defense has been amazing. It was a top five defense in scoring efficiency last year. But the problem was the no offensive support. Bottom 10 offensive scoring efficiency. The only, the only teams that were worse were Marshall, with a top three defense, bottom 10 offense, and Virginia Tech, I believe. So at Iowa, obviously the big question is, is the offense, and it just, it's not just one year. There is only two programs in college football out of 131. There's only two with a worse offensive output over the last two years 
still has their offensive coordinator. Two, one's Vanderbilt, one's Iowa. So those are two programs that have been bad on the offensive side of the football. Basically unwatchable would be the word that a lot of fans would use, and nothing has changed. So I expect nothing to change at Iowa either. You just can't – like in a particular year when the wrong quarterback gets hurt and your whole offense – get like the Colts after Peyton Manning, that's pros, but their season was done. That can happen. Nobody mm-hmm. in college football can consistently be poor on that side of the ball. The rules almost prohibit you from being bad on offense. Uh, it's, it's a special skill, you know. And, and look, even in college football, you have down years. Um, but to have basically consecutive bottom 20% scoring efficiency, and, and it's not like I was a bad recruiter. I mean, if, if, if this was Illinois, okay, or Indiana, or Rutgers, all right, we can see it. This is the number three recruiter in their division. This is like Tennessee having a bottom 10 offense. This is like LSU having a bottom 10 offense, okay? This is, what is it? This is Louisville having a bottom 10 offense. It's unfathomable to have that much talent advantage with those schedules and have offense, not just one year, but two years. Now we have a trend to be that bad. All right, buddy of mine, way back in the day, and he was a Wisconsin grad. Just He's a fan. He's an alum. And he said something. This was like 2002 or three. He's like, you know, and he was being serious. He leaned in. He said, if we start playing modern football on offense, he said, we could be dangerous, like on a national level. Well, it's two decades later, and Wisconsin is still kind of, you know, he's leaning in going, if we start playing modern football, is that going to happen with Phil Longo? Mm, can he do it in the Big Ten? That's the question. Right? I mean, he's got a, what, 60-40 pass-to-run ratio, sixty actually 62-38 run-to-pass ratio for his career. And if you look at all the teams in the Big Ten that have won nine or more games over the last 10 years, okay, so nine and three or better over the last 10 years, none of them were above 60% pass-to-run ratio. None of them. The average was 52. So what they're going to try to do in Wisconsin Hasn't been done in the Big Ten before. Maybe they can do it. I love Phil Longo. I think he's a top ten offensive coordinator in college football. But you, it's not going to happen. shouldn't happen immediately. Depends on how really, really good he is. But that roster was built for ground and pound. It wasn't uh, built for what Phil Longo wants to do. Uh, but let's also not forget about the defensive side of it. You got Trussell over there too. You, so you arguably have one of the best OCDC pairings in college football. It's just an odd one. So I'm curious to see how it really works out. This is going to be the biggest challenge uh, for Longo in his career. And he's put up numbers everywhere he has been. So I think that's one of the, I'm glad you're touching on that one because I think that's one of the three curiosities I have in the Big Ten this year is what can Phil Longo do? with Wisconsin players in the Big Ten. The numbers say it shouldn't be as successful as he's been before. Folks, I got other questions from other regions, but I got onto a Big Ten tangent. We're going to stay there, by golly. Uh, Minnesota. (laughs) So, P.J. Fleck decides, you know what? I'll have two OCs. Is that offense going to look any different, though? Because I kind of know what P.J. Fleck likes to do. You know, He likes to be big and huge, and we're going to beat on you. Right, you know, and, and 
a couple of years ago, him and him and uh, Kirk got together. Uh, they had they had some good offensive efficiencies. They and, and then Kirk went to uh, they parted ways, and Kirk went to Penn State for a year, and that didn't work out. And there there was cultural issues with that. And then he ends up back in Minnesota, and they're trying to rework that. Um, they've had some good years together, but you know what's it going to turn out? I, I'm I'm not sure. There we got really wide goalposts on what to expect. Uh, it's been a, it's, if you're a Minnesota fan, it's been a pretty wild ride. But what I do like is the potential there. They have put out, PJ and Kirk have put out really good offenses in the past. Can they get it together to do that again? Remains to be seen, but they've done it once before. So I would lean that they could put it together again. Folks, you hear all the time like ADs hire search firms for like $75,000 when they need it. But you can't hire a search firm when you'll find a new like yard guy. All right? You can't afford it. You can actually afford what the pros afford. Dave Bartu, you can <laughs> regular old people can follow you at uh, Patreon, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, the uh, the Patreon account patreon.com/cfbmatrix. Um, the month, month of March is actually dedicated to basketball, but the rest of the time it is always things I think about with college football, tons of data and information uh, that you and I don't even touch on here on the show. Uh, so, again, like it could be the Philadelphia Eagles, the Oklahoma Sooners, or a guy listening in Anniston, Alabama. Uh, you all have access to literally the exact same guy. You can't do that when you're looking for somebody to clean the pool. Dave, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, brother. Appreciate you, boss. Take it easy. Dave Bartu at CFB Matrix. I wish I could have a search firm when I needed like an AC repair. Athletic directors who, Greg McGarity was now, he got it right. But even if he didn't get it right, he spent, I don't know, 50,000, 75,000, 41,000, whatever it was, university funds on a search firm to then hire Kirby Smart. I wish I could. In most ways, we can't spend like an athletic director. When it comes to Dave Bartu, yeah, you kind of can. You can get the access to the, literally the exact same guy and his information uh, just as one little bitty individual person. So thank you, Dave. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. 
spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.